Welcome to RLA's Message of the Week. This is part one on worship in our new series, The Big Five. Um, I want to start off today by sharing with you that something we're really intentional in this church is about giving you tools that you can use every day of your life. There's a lot of churches that are very super, extremely spiritual, and they give you, they talk about life like if, like, you're only the spiritual thing, you know, and, but we're really intentional in this church about giving you tools about how to live an abundant and fulfilling life. And something we're going to be covering for the next five Sundays is, is the, the main things on how to live an abundant life. And so today, if we, if we could go over the five, um, so five, um, there, it's worship, then another key thing is community. And then another key thing to in, your, in, in an abundant life is discipleship, maturity, a.k.a. maturity. And then service and then outreach. So these are five key things that will make your life more abundant. And so today, I want to focus on worship. Say with me, worship. If you have a Bible, can you go to Psalm chapter 135? Psalm chapter 135. And I want to start off by telling you that we all worship somebody or something. We all worship somebody or something. Psalm 135, we're going to read this little uh, piece of Psalm uh, 135, verse 13. says, your name, Lord, endures forever. Your renown, your fame, Lord, through all generations For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nation are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but they cannot see. They have ears but they cannot hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. And then here's the key. Those who make them will be like them. And so will all. Who trust in them. We all worship something or somebody. Now, what is worship? What does worship mean? Is it like a nice song? What is worship? Is it like raising your hands? What is worship? What exactly is worship? I want to tell you what worship is. Worship is anything or anybody you give most credit to. That is what you're worshiping. Whatever you give most credit to in life, that's what you're worshiping. Whatever you give most respect to, that is what you're worshiping. So, for example, you know those people that they give all the credit to their money? They're like, yeah, man, it's because I got this money and I I got this. I want this with my money. This is my money. My money is what pays that. My money pays them. My money pays my mom's rent. My money pays me. My money pays this. You know what I mean? And people that worship money are people that give all credit to money. Exactly. People, you know how, you know the people that worship the government are people that give all the credit and all the blame to the government. You know, the rain, there's rain. Oh, it's because the government did this and did that, and the government brought the rain, and because of the government. We're, and, you know, it's all because of the government, you know. People that other people worship work, you know. 
It's all about work. All they talk about is work. All they credit to their moods, what they credit their what they what they credit their sleepiness, their tiredness. What there's people that you ask them, how's it going? And they say, oh, you know, it's busy at work. And it's like, okay. And then you ask them like a couple days later, how's it going? Well, you know, work, man, work is, you know, work is crazy. And work has me like this, man. I'm working like this. And it's like, dude, you're crediting everything to work. And so you worship whatever you give most credit in your life. If you worship partying, it's all about the party. (laughs) It's all about going out. It's all about this. It's all about that. When people that worship themselves, they give all the credit to themselves. I got this. It was me. I paid the price. You know, people even get a little emotional. I paid the price. It was all me. That that right that car right there, that was me. That promotion, that was all me. You know why my workplace is better? Because of me. Tell the person next to you, stop giving yourself so much credit. <laughs> But there's people that it's just all about them, and they give all the credit to themselves. But I want to tell you that when you worship God, all the good in your life, you credit it to God. It's like, you know why I have good health? Because of God. You know why I have strength? Because of God. You know why I have some hope in my life? Because of God. When you give God most of the credit of good in your life, that's worship. That's when you know that God is the source of everything good in your life. We all worship something. Also, in the Bible, you know what, what worship is? Literally, the word worship, means the, it means to kiss. Did you know that? Worship means to kiss in the Bible. The Greek word for worship means kiss. In other parts of the Bible, worship means to incline the face to the ground. In other words, worship means surrender. What are you surrendering your life to the most? Who has the biggest say in your life? Some people, their biggest say in their life is their parents. Their parents call all the shots. Some people, work calls all the shots for you. Some people, money calls all the shots for you. Some people, their career calls all the shots for them. But the people that worship God are people that let God call the shots for them. Are you guys following me? Tell the person, ask the person next to you, who calls the shots in your life? Who calls the shots? (laughs) Who calls the shots? Who's the shot maker in your life? Is it anxiety? Is it fear? (laughs) My mama? (laughs) My dad? My boss? Money? Work? What caused all the shots in your life? Whoever you credit most of the shots and most of the authority in your life, that's who you worship. And the crazy thing about this scripture, you, did you guys read where it says they have mouths but do not speak? They have eyes but they do not see. They have ears but they do not hear. And then it says those who worship them are like them. That means you become like what you worship most. If God is who you worship, then you become loving. Then you become hopeful. 
then you could do the impossible because God is who you worship. If you worship money, then you're greedy. If you worship pleasure, then you go, you go with, with wherever pleasure goes. <laughs> if you worship your favorite celebrity, you start behaving like them. Well, it's because so-and-so does it like this, so that means, that means I'm going to do it like that. Can I tell you, only because someone is famous doesn't mean they should be modeled for, after or, or imitated. Only, be, only because something is popular doesn't mean it's good. You know another sign of what you worship? You worship whatever you go to when life gets ugly. Whatever you go towards, whatever you go towards when life gets great or ugly, that's who you worship. Whatever you, however you cope with things when things get bad, that's a sign of what or who you worship. There's people that whenever life gets bad or great, they go straight to alcohol. And it's like, come on, like why? Why immediately do you have to get drunk when things get great or things get bad? You worship alcohol. Does that make sense? Who you go to or what you go to when life gets good or bad is a sign of what you worship. And ultimately, you become like what you worship. Now, can you go? Now, I want to talk about what worship does to people. What is worshiping God? What does it do to you? What's the, what's the power of worship? Can you, I want to show you an example. It, can you go to Acts chapter 16? One of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Acts. I love Acts. Acts is, a, is an action-packed uh, story that gets to your heart. Acts chapter 16. I wanna, the rest of the message, I want to share with you what worshiping God does. When you surrender to God, what it does. Acts chapter 16, verse 19. We're going to read a, it's a good story. So here it goes. Acts 16, verse 19. Uh, when the owners, when her owners, the, uh, she was like a, a, a witch. She was like a, a crazy witch. And so when the witch's owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. Say with me, prison. And the jailers was commanded to guard them carefully. Say with me, carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, fastened their feet in the stocks. Remember, they were in prison, locked up. Here we go. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, a.k.a. worshiping. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Crazy how Martha was talking about suicide. Kaylee was talking about suicide. This man was about to commit suicide. 
But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sir, what, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your family. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his household were baptized, meaning they got connected to God's family. The jailer brought them into the house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. Wow, what a story. Out of this story, I want to extract what worshiping does. Number one, worshiping God recalibrates your hearts. Worshiping God recalibrates your life and your heart. In one of the toughest seasons for Paul and Silas, they, were, they weren't in jail. They were in the deepest part of the jail. They were in the deepest part of the jail. And they weren't being supervised. They were being carefully supervised. In one of the toughest seasons of their life, they started worshiping God. You know why? Because when you worship God, you are reminded of who's in power, of who's in charge, of who calls the shots. When you worship, your heart recalibrates and is reminded where your center focus should be. Re, re, uh, recalibrating your heart is what worship does. Worshiping God refocuses your attention. Sometimes in, in your car, sometimes in bed when you wake up, you just got to remind yourself, God, you're in control, not me. God, it's all about you. It's not about me. You know what, God? I don't feel good right now, but I worship you and I surrender to you. When you do that, that recalibrates your heart. It, it resets your heart. Worship and rest have a lot in common. Rest resets your body. Worship resets your entire self. When you worship God, you're like, God, I know right now around me is crazy. I know inside of me is crazy. I know upstairs is kind of crazy. But God, my life is yours. And I, it's, life is all about you. This is why worship music is so powerful. You guys know me. I listen to all sorts of music. But worship music is on another level. Worship music resets your soul, resets your mind, resets your heart. Worship music, some, I've heard some of you guys, you guys are like, when I'm on my way to work, I prepare my heart with worship music and I just remind myself of where I'm heading towards. <laughs> worship music resets your soul. There's times in the car that I just do random worship moments. I'm in the car and I just have my hands there and I'm just, God, it's crazy right now, but, but I surrender to you. I refocus myself. You, you know what worship is? Worship is like when you go to an optometrist and it tries to help you reshape and refocus your life. That's what worshiping does. It, it's like going to your daily optometrist. 
How many know that your eyesight could get blurry incrementally every day? Some of us need to go to the optometrist ASAP. But that's how it is with God. When you worship, it recalibrates. I could almost hear the ticking. It, it recalibrates your heart and your attention. Because how many know that all of us need reminders that you're not the center of the universe? A lot of us, like, can you tell the person next to you, you're not the center of the universe? <laughs> tell them, I'm not the center of the universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because when you worship, you're reminded that you're in God's world and not the other way around. Someone once said, every home should be a church and every meal should be an act of worship. I, I get some people, they're like, Renee, I don't like to be so formal when I pray for my food. Well, at least maybe in your heart you could recognize, God, this food comes from you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, and then devour it. Does that make sense? Maybe, maybe before going to work, you're like, God, you're my focus. You're my attention. My work, my coworkers are crazy sometimes, but, but I know that you keep me sane. Number two, worship breaks you out of prisons. Hmm. Can you go, hmm, with me? Worship breaks you out of prisons. There's a lot of common prisons today, and they're called anxiety. They're called fear. They're called suicidal thoughts. They're called hate. When you worship, what happened when they started worshiping? It said literally the strongholds of the prison shooketh. <laughs> the strongholds of the prison shook. I want to give a major shout out to my lovely wife. Because she, she out of nowhere, like it's funny because sometimes I just come in the house or sometimes like, I don't, even her car, always her car, she has a bunch of music on her Spotify, but always her car starts playing worship music. I don't know why. It's crazy. I mean, like, we're like, man, is like the car like a worship leader or something? But like always, always. But Kaylee, something about Kaylee is that she randomly plays worship music and she starts getting into this like serene, chill moment. Just chill time. And I'm like, ooh, it feels really, it feels really chill in here, you know? <laughs> but I want to tell you that worshiping God breaks prisons. Can I tell you something? When you're going through a dry season, you just need to worship. You just need to be like, God, I'm in a dry season. I don't know where you're at. I am the driest. I'm drier than a raisin. <laughs> like, God, I'm dry. <laughs> but you know what, God? I know this is a season, and you are, my, you are my fresh breath of life. You are my fresh drink of water. You are going to keep me. You're going to guide me through this dry season. If you're going through anxiety, worship. If you're going through depression, worship. Just worshiping will break that prison that you're in. 
And I'm not talking about at work, get on your knees and start like Shava to God, you know, start speaking them tongues. And, like, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that you need to have a heart of worship and you need to be like, God, you know what? I'm depressed right now, but I know that you are my joy. I know that you are my strength. I know that you are my anchor and my stronghold. But you know what we do when we're in our prisons? Sometimes we're, some of us are really deep in our prisons. Sometimes when we're in our prisons, we just talk to the jailers. It's bad in here, huh? Yeah, it's horrible. We're never going to get out. I know, it's bad. We're never going to get out. But when you're in your prison, you need to worship. Those prisons are not going to break open until you worship. When you worship, nothing has the last say but God. When you're stuck in your prison and you don't worship, your prison has the last say. Fear has the last say. Anxiety has the last say. Hatred has the last say. Lack of forgiveness has the last say. But when you worship God, God has the last say. And it's crazy because they were in the inner cell. And I love this. I love this. This is, this is, when I was reading this, it was exciting me. Not only did the people worshiping get free, who else came free? What, what did the scripture say? Everyone's chains came loose. If your house is a prison then your worship will liberate everybody in the house. You, you following me? Worshiping, in other words, doesn't just affect you. It affects those connected to you. If you're a parent, worshiping starts affecting your little ones and your children. Worshiping also starts affecting your future generations. Your worship literally changes everything. The scripture said, everybody's chains came loose. <laughs> Worshiping changes it all. On behalf of our church, we want to thank you for listening to this week's message. RLA is a biblical grassroots church located in South Los Angeles. We are a community who is here to restore the hurting, anxious, and those discouraged by religion. We hope to have you back next week.